0: Well, it's the holiday season, right? And so you've come here to celebrate that most special holiday of the year that we gather together for a great feast. And it's the Feast of Christ the King, right? I'm joking. Thanksgiving, right? But today in church, we have this odd little celebration that happens once a year. It kind of entered the church calendar not too long ago, and it's called the Feast of Christ the King was actually instituted by a Catholic pope in the 1920s. And his intention to do it was to emphasize the place that Christianity should have in public life, that Christian values should rule the people. Well, it's a little bit strange, perhaps in the year 2023, to be celebrating a holiday like that, especially when there are political elements in our own country who actually think that the United States should be a Christian theocracy. Just to be clear, that's not what I believe, and it's certainly not the position of our church. And yet there's something still valuable about thinking about the relationship between Christianity and power, or God and power. And it's revealed in this scripture reading that we have today. Jesus tells us what power really is. In this world that is obsessed with power, based on so many different things that are fleeting and ephemeral. He tells us what power is in God's kingdom. Power comes from love. Power comes from acts of kindness. And instead of putting a king on a throne and allowing him to rule over you, Jesus tells you that you have all the power you need in your own life, that you are powerful when you love and are kind to others. This is a message of profound liberation. And take a look at where it comes up in the gospel. This is Jesus' final public speech before he is handed over to arrest and trial and crucifixion. In a way, it's like his farewell address the most important thing that he has to say to his followers. And so it's important for us to listen. Shortly after he says these words, his friend, Judas, betrays him. Judas, a person who demonstrates the power that individuals have in our own relationships, our friends and family, those in our circle who exert influence and power over us. Jesus used that power to, or rather Judas used that power to betray Jesus. And I know so many of us in this room know what it feels like not to be respected by people in our lives, to feel powerless at the hands, perhaps even of friends and family. After his arrest, Jesus was taken over to Caiaphas, the high priest. The high priest is the symbol of religious power and authority in the world, and yet Caiaphas did not use his position to free an innocent man, nor did he use his power to elevate the teachings that Jesus had for his people, which were meant to liberate them. Rather, Caiaphas was afraid of Jesus' own spiritual authority and power, and so he allowed him be handed over to the civil authorities. Religious power that does not see God when God appears right in the midst of the assembly. From there, Jesus was handed over to Pontius Pilate. He, of course, was the civil authority in the land, the one that we often think of as having the most power. And yet Pilate, too, couldn't see Jesus. Pilate was also afraid of Jesus' own authority and engaged Jesus in an absurd back and forth that ultimately resulted in him being crucified. Pilate didn't see anything wrong with his own position in the world. He was simply following the letter of the law. And yet he knew deep down that Jesus was innocent. A civil authority, one that has the power to decide between life and death. Pilate was indifferent to what he knew was true. So in light of all this, Jesus is trying to send us a very important message about what power is and who actually holds it. Judas, the betrayer, was he more powerful than Jesus, the one who loved everyone that he met? the one who gathered his closest friends and washed their feet? Caiaphas, the religious authority, did he actually have more power than Jesus, whom we worship today, long after Caiaphas has been forgotten? Pilate, who wanted to hold on to his authority, someone who had climbed the ranks of power in order to be the governor of this province, he was no king. Rather, through his own actions, he demonstrated how powerful Jesus actually was, even from the cross. This is what power is to Jesus. And he's trying to tell us, even 2,000 years later, what power means today. We need this message because we ourselves live so similarly to the way that people in Jesus' time were living. We respond to social hierarchy, and we look for power in things that have the same symbols that Judas, and Caiaphas, and Pilate exploited in order to show the rest of the world that they were powerful. Power in our society comes with money. If you are a billionaire, then people listen to what you have to say. You can buy and sell companies or land or make decisions that will affect people's lives that you've never met. That's power, right? Status is powerful. If you are a famous person, even if you're not that talented, you can capture the attention of millions of people, whether through media or online. People look up to you. They listen to what you have to say and you influence how people think about the world. That's status. There are so many other things that we use to judge what is powerful, what type of job you have, what neighborhood of New York City you live in, how you look if you are conventionally beautiful, the way that the media wants us to think of beauty. But there's something that Jesus is trying to tell us about this social hierarchy, which we all consent to live in. He's trying to tell us that these things actually have no power at all. And there's no way to win, no matter how high you climb. Think about it for a second on on a practical level. No matter how rich you are, there will always be someone richer than you. No matter your zip code in New York City, there's always going to be a neighbor who managed to put yet another addition on their home to make it even fancier than yours. No matter how beautiful you are, time will come and change the way you look. Besides, there's gonna be a fresh new person behind you anyway. No matter what your job is or where you went to school or whatever it is the marker is that we've been chasing after to give us power, there's simply no way to win. But Jesus is telling us that there is a way to win. And the way to win, this strange game of life that's constantly built on shifting sands of power, is just to be as loving and kind as you possibly can be. That's where power really comes from. If we're looking for an outline for how to be powerful, Jesus tells it to us in Matthew chapter 25. If you see someone who is hungry, feed them. If you see someone who is thirsty, give them something to drink. If someone is a stranger to you, be kind, offer them welcome. If you know that someone is sick, go see them in the hospital, give them a call, send them a text message. If you know that someone is in prison, go visit them too. And if you think that the system of criminal justice that landed that person in prison to begin with is unjust, then keep fighting to change it. See how simple that is? How simple and yet how profound at the same time? These are the things that give us power and authority in the world. And each and every one of us has the power to engage in them. Think for a moment about who has been powerful in your life. Most certainly there have been people who made you feel small or not good about yourself. Those people might have even been people in your own family or close circle of friends. Might have been a teacher or a boss. Or maybe when you open up your phone or look at the news, You look at the figures that are held up as powerful and think of yourself as less than. Jesus is trying to tell you that these things only have power because you give them power. The people who have actually been powerful in your life are not the ones who have hurt you or made you feel small. They're the ones who have helped you or lifted you up. They're the nurturers in your life who fed you when you were little and hungry They're the people who saw that you were thirsty and gave you something to drink. They're the ones that you met that you might not ever meet again in your life who were kind to you and gave you a different vision of what this society can be. When you were sick, yes, it was the doctors who helped you, but it was also those people who were praying for you, who told you they were praying for you. They were the people who reached out to you in your darkest hours when you felt that you were alone. Those are the powerful people in the world. They are powerful not because we give them power, but because they are acting on God's authority and because they are participating in the power that God feeds into this world. If we want to be powerful, we need to do the things that Jesus is telling us to do. And as I look out at this congregation, I look and see so many faces who've devoted so much time in their lives to doing these very things. And so on Christ the King holiday, for those of you who continue to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, visit the sick and those in prison who devote your lives to doing this, know that you are powerful. You are far more powerful than the forces of whatever that are at work in this society who are trying to convince us that we are nothing. No. You are powerful every time you do. One of the things that Jesus says actually gives us power. And For those of us who receive those acts of graciousness and kindness and love and mercy, you are drawing us into that same economy of power, the one that God has instituted from the beginning of creation. There's a story I'll never forget. It's about a mystic and a thinker named Simone Weil. She lived in Europe. She became a teenager and a young adult during the Second World War. She was a visionary, born Jewish, who moved from her native France to the United Kingdom during World War II. While she was there she had a crazy idea and one that i think about all the time ever since i've been told about it she tried to convince the royal air force at the height of world war ii to take a group of british nurses and to dress them all in white then to paint a plane white itself and fly it over enemy lines and then what she wanted to do was to have those nurses parachute down into Germany in white parachutes, and when they landed on the ground, to simply offer their services of healing to the people that they found. Even though Simone Weil had access to the highest echelons of power in the United Kingdom, surprisingly, they never accepted her request. But I think about this all the time, how crazy it is in the midst of conflict and violence and suffering, to offer kindness, to offer love. And how powerful it would be if in the midst of all these things, we as a people decided to become those nurses jumping out of a plane behind enemy lines, offering solace, offering a symbol of something different in the world. Zimone Wei got her inspiration from Jesus. She took his words seriously. Jesus was one of those nurses behind enemy lines. But we can be that too. And we are, each and every time. We love in the face of hatred. We are kind in the face of indifference. We hold fast to the values of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we shine it out like a light in the world. is what power really is. So my friends, be brave. Be powerful. Use the authority that God has given you to do good in the world. Because those, according to our own Lord and King, are the most powerful people in the world. Amen.